Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, let me read this scripture to you one more time. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Now, a couple of weeks ago, this is what prompted my mind to even talk about this. We were uh, talking to a couple about uh, pre-marriage counseling. They're about to get married, and it's nobody in this church, so don't be, you know, who's about to get married? There's nobody in here. Uh, but we saw this couple, they're about to get married, and they were talking about pre-marriage counseling. And typically, actually, there's a right way and a wrong way to do pre-marriage counseling. Some of you people that have been married for any length of time, you're like, what is pre-marriage counseling? We just went for it. We just got married, figured it out. Um, a lot of times, pre-marriage counseling looks something like this. An engaged couple sits down with a married couple, and they talk. That's not pre-marriage counseling. That's talking. It's not pre-marriage counseling. Real good pre-marriage counseling um, uses diagnostic tools and they take assessments of each other's personalities and the way they think and the way they approach the world. Then they combine those two things and they look for discrepancies and then they sit down and they work through and navigate and negotiate those discrepancies. When me and my wife got married, we this was our version of pre-marriage counseling was we sat down with the preacher that was a dear friend of ours like three times and all he wanted to talk about was sex. That was that was it. No communication, no conflict resolution, no money management, no roles and responsibilities, no setting boundaries with in-laws, nothing like that, just sex. Y'all okay? Did I say the S word? Everybody's like, <gasps> give me a break. And so we were talking to this couple and I said, pre-marriage counseling, real good pre-marriage counseling is designed to do three things. Three things. First thing it's designed to do, it is designed to eliminate surprises. Right? If, if your fiancé has a warrant out for his arrest in three states, you want to know that. If she's an axe murderer and Sally's not even her real name, you might want to know that. I talked to one couple. They didn't go through pre-marriage counseling. They just got married. And after they got married, the wife, had found, the wife found out after they got married that the husband had $300,000 in credit card debt. Now, I'm not saying you don't get married because somebody has debt, but it would be nice to know. So it eliminates surprises. That's one of the things it does. The second thing that pre-marriage counseling does is it does this. It is designed for you to find spots where you disagree, and then you, with the help of outside input, you negotiate those differences until you find agreement. And then the key to your marriage being successful is both parties honor the agreement. And nobody gets to change the agreement without the input of the other person. That's the way it works. I know people that have been married 20 and 30 years that over time their spouse slowly and methodically changes the agreement to now there's deep resentment and frustration in the marriage. Don't think because you've got it done that you've got it the first 20 years under your belt that you've got the next 20 years under your belt. That's not how it works. 
Time does not ensure marriage is success. Intentional work and effort makes sure marriage is success. You have to do it as much the first year of marriage as you have to the 50th year of your marriage. Amen and amen. And so you, you negotiate these. How are we going to handle in-laws? And how are we going to handle money? And who are going to pay the bills? And how are we going to raise our kids? And what are your thoughts on discipline? And what are my thoughts on discipline? And what are your thoughts on conflict? And what are my thoughts on conflict? And we have all of these things that we have to unpack before we get married. I, I, when, before me and my wife got married, I made this statement. I said, when I marry you, I'm not marrying your family. I'm marrying you. Now that sounded right. But that was stupid. Because when you marry somebody, you marry everything they've been through. And you've been through your own stuff. And then when you come together, you don't just bring your physical stuff. You bring your emotional stuff. And while you're unpacking the blender and the spoons and the knives, there's also some other things that you got to start unpacking. Are y'all with me this morning? So pre-marriage counseling helps you find agreement. The third thing that pre-marriage counseling does, this is what I'm going to talk about this morning, is it helps you clarify expectations. Now, normally, whenever you hear a sermon on marriage, this is the vibe I get a lot of times when I hear people preaching on marriage, and they talk about expectations. This is the vibe most people get, give off. They're like, you think it's going to be good? <laughs> or boy, are you wrong. It's so hard. And your life is over. And it sucks. And oh my God. And then kids on top of it. I'm not here to talk about that kind of expectation. I'm not here to say you think it's going to be good, but it's going to be bad. I'm here to say you think it's going to be good, but actually it can be better than what you think if you put in the work. So when you get married, I, I always, always love, I've, I've said this before, I always love listening to young engaged couples tell me what it's going to be like. We're going to go to bed at the same time every night. <laughs> you will for the first year. We're going to get up together and we're going to have our coffee together. And we're going to read the same books together. It's going to be so good. And we're going to sit down and we're going to watch the same movies. We love the same things. We're so much alike. OMG, he's lying. He likes everything you like now. That will change. He's lying. He's trying to get you to marry him. That's what we do. We lie. <laughs> right? Yes, I love Sleepless in Seattle, and I love cats. They're my favorite. Let's have 50. I love them. If that's what you like, will you marry me? But then when you get married, there, there, there develops this gap between your expectation and reality. Or let me say it a better way. Between your expectation and their behavior. Oh, dang. <laughs> I thought she was going to cook for me every day. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a TV dinner till I got married. I'm kidding. My wife's a wonderful cook. Glory to God. I thought he was going to do the laundry. I thought she was going to pay the bills. I thought he was going to mow the lawn. And then none of that stuff is coming to pass. I thought he was going to tell his mama to back out of our business. 
And now she's telling me how to raise my own kids. And she's going to tell me how to raise my kids. I saw what she did with her kid, and she already messed that up. So she's going to tell me how to raise my kids. I already got one, Mama. I don't need another one in Jesus' name. And you get that neck thing going, uh uh. You thought it was one thing, but it was another. Why? Because he lied to you. So what do you do between the expectation and the behavior? Because the length, the width, the the size of that gap determines how much frustration you're dealing with. The size of that gap determines how much disappointment you're having to wrestle with. You go into it with great expectations, and when they're not everything you thought they would be, what do you do? Because we do everything in our power to try to close the gap between what we expect and what they're really doing. We preach at them. Get in that kitchen and make me. You better not say that, not to a Tennessee woman. You get shanked. That's a prison term for stabbed in the throat. When I was growing up, there was a thing about men beating women. Now women beat the men just as much as the men beat the women. You better calm down, brother. What do we do to try to close that gap? We preach to them. We nag them. We compare them to other people. We compare them to Instagram. (laughs) You DM your husband. You share one of those pictures of that fit man on Instagram with your husband. Boom. Subtle. Subtle. It's a subtle thing to say you need to hit the gym. You need to go for a jog. I thought you could cook, but mama makes it better. It's fighting words, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> you know what you do if mama makes it better? You lie. <laughs> this is the best food I've ever put in my mouth. Why you're dying a little bit on the inside trying to swallow it. What do we do to close the gap? We manipulate. Some people even try to get God involved. Pastor, 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 will you pray for my husband because because he don't have a servant's heart? What in the name of God is that? What does that even mean? I've had people come up to me about that. Would you pray for my husband because if he don't develop a servant's heart, it's over. What does he do? He never picks up after himself. He, ne- he leaves his dirty dishes out all the time. He le- he, when he shaves in the morning, he leaves all the hair stubble in the sink. Well, I don't know how you endure it, honey. God bless your heart. It's tough being you, ain't it? She has an expectation. And now that behavior isn't meeting an expectation, we go to God and we call it prayer. Asking God to change them. Or asking the preacher, pray for them that they be changed, that they be transformed, that they line up with the expectation that I had for them because I know my expectation for them and God's expectation for them is certainly the same thing. And then we never really, we never really come to grips with this reality that God is not going to be offended at your spouse just because you are. God, listen, God will never take up an offense toward your spouse when you have one. 
God still loves them. God still has a purpose. They might not be obeying God. They might not even be serving God. God still loves them and God still has a purpose for their life. And you cannot approach God as though you and him are tag teaming against your spouse. And I've seen it a hundred times. Get your intercessor friends together. To talk bad, to disparage your spouse and call it intercession. It is witchcraft. It is manipulation. And it is sin. Amen? So we have this, we have this dichotomy between, between our expectations and reality. My expectation is I thought she'd cook more. My expectation is I thought he would make more money. My expectation, I've got these big expectations. I thought, I thought, I thought she would fully satisfy me. Or I thought he would fully understand me. And we would be, you know, pillow talk all night. And he would just get me and my dreams and my aspirations and my hopes and my fears and my deepest longings and all of this stuff. We have these expectations. And then he's watching the f- football game and he doesn't really want to talk about it right now and 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 I'm not talking about unreasonable expectations versus it's 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 reasonable for you to want your husband you know not to be a drug addict and serve God I I get that that's not what I'm talking about but if you want him to not watch the Super Bowl well that's a different story it's a little bit unreasonable (laughs) so you have this gap between expectations and reality I'm wanting this, but they're giving me that. So what do you do? My first question is, where did those expectations come from? Right? Can we talk real plain? Where did those expectations come from? Did it come from those princess movies that you grew up watching? Right? I know you're Cinderella. I know you're princess. I get it. I get it. But the clock has passed midnight. Brother, where do those expectations come from? Did it come from the pornography that you watched in your teenage years? Y'all ain't, a bunch of married couples in here acting like, well, I don't know what's going on right now. Play with me. Is that where it came from? It's not real. Those things you read, where, where do those expectations come from? They come from that stuff that you read, those books, those romance novels that you read. Oh, my God. Because women don't watch pornography. They read it. Right. My wife is begging me to watch, begging me to watch The Notebook. I'm begging her to watch The Football Game. Until she comes my way, I'm not going her way. <laughs> but these things, these things that we feed ourselves with, they create this expectation that's absolutely an illusion. And then we impose our illusion on people and we do our best because I'm not going to lower my expectations. Because I'm not going to settle. Glory to God. Not going to sell, and I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you settle. I'm not suggesting that you lower your right. That's good marriage advice. When all else fails, lower your expectations. That's good marriage advice. 
This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying lower your expectations. I'm saying you have to have a God view of what this is supposed to look like. And you have to have a God view of what they will and will not be able to provide for you. If you ever look to them to satisfy you, they will fail 100% of the time. If you ever look to them to fully understand you and get you, it will fail you 100% of the time because you are trying to impose on them a role that only God is designed to play in your life. You cannot impose on your spouse the occupation of God. Amen. So we have this gap. So I'm not going to lower my expectations. I'm not going to change my, because I grew up my whole life believing that Cinderella and Prince Charming was real. I fed myself pornography for 15, 20 years, and I thought this is what it was going to be like. And now the expectation and the reality are not the same. So what do I do? I'm not going to change my expectations. So instead of trying to change my expectations, I'm going to work to change them. And so I'm going to muster all of the power I have in my arsenal. I'm going to use all of the criticism and all of the condemnation and all of the Bible verses. And I'm going to get the intercessors praying. And I'm going to lie about them to the pastor. Maybe he'll intervene. And I'm going to call mama and tell her what he's doing. And I'm going to call daddy and tell him what she's doing. Because if I'm not going to change me, I'm going to change them. And you know what happens the moment you change them? Your expectation will change and you will demand more of them. And they will never, ever be able to totally fulfill and live up to the standard that you're imposing on them. Ever. Ever. The perfect spouse does not exist. Does not exist. Instead of criticizing differences, they are meant to be celebrated. (laughs) The reluctance. They're like, yeah, Yes, celebrate the differences. Yes. Wow. Yes. Think about that and process that. I'm sure there's a Greek word somewhere in the New Testament that can get me out of that one. Love endures everything without weakening. So when you're faced with the gap, between expectation and reality, we normally either refuse to change our expectations, so we try to change reality. And most marriage counseling sessions, this is what it consists of. Two adults sitting in a room trying to justify their bad behavior to the counselor. Did you throw the remote at her? Well, yeah, I threw the remote at her. Why? Well, she was standing in front of the football game. Well, honey, you should have moved out of the way. I don't know. It's a joke. Calm down. Well, I mean, I understand where he's coming from at that point. It's the football game. Our first year of marriage, I was watching Alabama play football. Lindsay walked in because she wanted to have this heart-to-heart, and she, we'd been married like five minutes. She walks in, grabs the remote, doesn't, doesn't do it spitefully. She, she cut the game off. I was like, <laughs> There's only one reason this should happen. Do I need to take you to the emergency room? No? No MR visit? Cut the game back off. 
She was devastated. Thought we were going to talk. We will. It's the third quarter. We get just a few more minutes. Right? Give me another hour, and I'm yours. I'm all yours. So expectations in reality. We won't change our expectations, so we try to change them. And then they don't change. And then they begin to resent us for trying to change them. When they, when they want to really say to you, this is what you signed up for when we got married. This is what you said yes to, and now it's not good enough. So what do you do between expectation and reality? You have two options. You can either A, believe the best, or B, assume the worst. And when you were dating, you know what you did? When there was a gap between your expectation and their behavior, you always believed the best. They couldn't do anything wrong. Other people would tell you things about them that they didn't like and you didn't see it. Right? His breath stinks. I don't know what you're talking about. I think it smells like the Garden of Eden. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, honey, he don't have a job. He's just in transition. He's just transitioning. He's just, you know, he's just, God's leading him a different direction. That's called getting fired. He, God's just leading him a different direction. Right? That's church lingo, right? He got fired from McDonald's and he worked there three days. God just closed the door. That's all that happened. Do <laughs> you know what you're doing when you do that? You're believing the best. You're believing the best. The whole world's screaming at you and you're believing the best. You do it, you do it to her too. It's like, bro, she's, she's crazy. Like, I don't know, she's not crazy. She's sensitive to the spirit of God. <laughs> it's like, bro, she's not very nice. No, she's just prophetic. She's like kind of abrasive. No, she's just a truth teller. <laughs> no, I don't think that's it. You know what you're doing? You're believing the best. And for some reason, after we get married for a minute, it shifts and we start to assume the worst. So they didn't show up from work on time. So your mind just starts going crazy. Oh, oh, oh. Left me here with these kids all by myself. He's trying to get out of his responsibilities. Oh, heck no. When he gets home, we put these kids to bed. It's going down because he's not going to do me like that. He was just stuck in traffic. That's all that it was. Can I get a witness from somebody in here that knows what I'm talking about? We start to assume the worst, right? Assume the worst automatically. Instead of filling the gap with trust, we fill it with suspicion. I don't know why he didn't do what he said he was going to do, but for some reason, the motive is wrong. If, you ever, if you've ever really met couples that have phenomenal marriages, you ever seen couples that have phenomenal marriages? There's an interesting phenomenon that happens between them. When you hear a husband talk about himself, he doesn't speak that highly of himself. The wife speaks more highly of him than he does of himself. And vice versa. The, the man speaks more highly of the woman than she speaks of herself. You know what they're doing? They're believing the best. 
There's a couple that there's a dear couple that me and Lindsay are friends with. They've been married longer than I've been alive. They're incredible. And whenever we start talking about marriage stuff, this is what she says about her husband. His name's Kevin. And she'll say, Oh, he's perfect. He's just so perfect. He's so wonderful. It's like, okay, I mean, he's great, but no, he's awesome. No, he's amazing. He is one. He's just, I am so blessed to have him in my life. I'm so blessed. I'm just such an honor to be his. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Oh, it dawned on me. You're believing the best. That's how y'all were able to stay married for 40 years and endure everything you went through. You hear some couples talk about each other. Have you ever heard them? You say things about your spouse that you would never say about a friend. You say things to your spouse that you would never say to a friend's face. You know why? Because you're afraid of losing their friendship. And you know the spouse has to come home at the end of the day. Guess what? They do not have to come home at the end of the day. They choose to. The things I hear some marriage couples say about each other and to each other is absolutely astounding. And then they come to me saying, we've got conflict. Who saw that coming? You absolutely ridicule them and mock them and dress them down and embarrass them and say some of the most slanderous, evil, disparaging comments about them and to them, not just in private but in public, and then you can't figure out why there's no peace? It's because you are assuming the worst and you're trying to get everybody else to assume the worst too. Well, it's all the truth. No, it's not. It's how you see it. Listen. Listen. Between the gap of expectation and reality, if you fill that gap either by believing the best or assuming the worst, whichever one you pick says more about you than it does them. Y'all with me? Are y'all with me this morning? Is this okay? Whether or not you assume, believe the best or you assume the worst, that speaks more to your character, not their shortcomings. Hallelujah. Because it takes a strong person to endure everything without weakening. It takes somebody, not that fell in love, but somebody that's chosen to walk in love. And I'm going to believe the best of every person. You know what it's called? It's called being a Christian. It's called being a Christian. I choose to believe the best about you. Even when some of the things you do get, I'm talking about get, I'm starting to think about some of them. My wife's working with kids today. I can say it. Is there any man in here that this phenomenon exists at your house? I don't think my, my precious, amazing wife has ever put gas in a vehicle. And she has an uncanny ability to, I think she, I think she runs it on empty and coast into the driveway. And then I got to take them to school, kids in the school in the morning, and I ain't got no gas. And she's like, yeah, well, I got home fine. I, don't, I guess it evaporated. I don't know guess so you know what I'm talking about it's like (laughs) but you know what you gotta do you gotta believe the best I'm sure there's a good reason why the dinging light (laughs) that says you're gonna be stranded on the side of the road didn't catch her attention. I'm going to tell myself she was busy handling kids. Maybe she was on the phone counseling somebody. I'm going to believe the best. We're going to tell ourselves that's what she was doing rather than you just wanted me to do it because you didn't feel like it. 
we can believe the best or we can assume the worst. Believing the best or assuming the worst starts in your mind. The moment, the moment you experience a discrepancy between expectation and behavior, immediately your mind starts working. Starts working. They didn't pay the power bill on time, so you got to notice that it's going to be delinquent. Immediately, your mind starts working. Starts working. And you're either going to believe the best or you're going to assume the worst. It starts in the mind. Then it gets rooted in your heart. Then it comes out of your mouth. Why didn't you pay the bill? I can't count on you for anything. Because you're assuming the worst. Or I know you probably had a lot on your mind. If you do next time, just let me know and I'll help you out. I'll pay it. I'll take care of whatever we got to do just to make sure it don't happen again. Assuming the worst or believing the best. The words coming out of your mouth. You know, we always joke about that scripture that says Sarah called Abraham Lord. Right? Everybody laughs about that. But <laughs> not the day, devil. <laughs> not the day, Satan. The interesting thing is, it's not that she called him Lord. It's that she was calling those things that are not as though they were. And so what if you begin to speak over them what you wanted to see come to pass out of them? Because everybody in your life is living up to or down to the level of expectation you've given them. Your spouse is living up to or down to your confession over them. You are reaping what you've sown through the seed of your own words and then getting upset about the harvest. Man, it is quiet up in this Presbyterian church this morning. I'm not sure what's going on. We're going to have an altar call and everybody repent. And whether or not, if you you believe the best, come on guys, I'm, I'm, I'm over my time. If you believe the best or assume the worst, That is what determines whether or not in your relationship you will have peace or you will have war based upon how you handle the discrepancy between this is what I expected and this is what I'm getting. And instead of automatically assuming the worst of motives and the worst of character and the worst of intention, Maybe I need to shift my perspective and start believing the best. What would happen in your marriage if you started speaking over your spouse the way that, cu- that couple spoke over their spouse that I was sharing with earlier? He's amazing. He's awesome. He works so hard. And he's so involved with the kids. Well, he doesn't do any of that. You don't know what he does. He might not interact with the kids the way you want him to, but he loves the kids. He might not use the same language you want him. He might not use the same love language you prefer that he use, but he uses his own language, and it's still meaningful to the kids whether or not you think it's okay. Y'all with me? I see this in married couples a lot because we a lot of what creates our expectation is what we were raised in. And if you were raised with a disconnected mother, when your wife becomes ultra-connected and ultra-nurturing, that seems weird to you. Really, she's just loving them in the way her heart wants to manifest her love. And that needs to be celebrated, not criticized. Is that making sense to you? Is that making sense to you? Maybe he's not 
Maybe he's not a penny pincher who is frugal and he's a tightwad. Maybe he's trying to ensure a strong financial future for the family. Right? Maybe she's not just an out-of-control spender. Maybe she's just trying to lavish gifts on her kids. Now, she might need to really know. You can't violate math. But we automatically assume the worst. It's because you're lazy. It's because you don't care. It's because you're messed up. Because your family's jacked up. It's because of this. It's because of that. Instead of you're awesome. And you're unique. And I celebrate everything about you. Even the stuff I don't even get. You ever seen your spouse act and do things that you're like, I don't, I don't know why that's a thing to them. But it's a thing. Right? I see married couples. I know husbands. I think we got husbands up here. We tried to get Blake a, a gaming system. We did GoFundMe's. Their husbands, I don't play video games. I don't get it. I know wives that don't get it, but the husband gets it. Hey, go get it. We need to receive a second offering. Just do the right thing. Between expectation and reality. Because we all come into marriage with great expectations. But the quality of your marriage is not based upon how well your spouse meets your expectations. Let me say that again. The quality of your marriage is not dependent upon how well your spouse meets every one of your expectations and demands. The quality of your marriage is whether or not you choose to believe the best or assume the worst about them. They can become the most incredible spouse in the world to you. If you would walk in love and believe the best. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it does everything without weakening. It is interesting. Listen to me. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians falls in between chapter 12 and 14 for a purpose. Chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Chapter 14 talks about spiritual gifts, prophesying and speaking in tongues. And chapter 13 falls in the middle. Because unless you walk in love, all of your tongue talking and prophesying and intercessory prayer and all that stuff means nothing. If I had faith that I could move a mountain, I've seen people that could lay hands on people and get them healed and they're mean as rattlesnakes. Paul said, if you get up and prophesy and speak in tongues and then disparage your spouse with the same tongue that you're trying to pray in a heavenly language with, you're a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Isn't that good? This is sermon number one of a whole month. Great expectations. We have great expectations for our spouses of what they should do. But God has great expectations of us of what we should do. And this is it. You believe the best. And you forever covenant within yourself. I'm never going to assume the worst again. Amen? Stand up on your feet.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.